Hey Lance, I've done it. I've cracked the code to making the perfect Marvel character. All right, let's hear it. Okay, step one, you always use alliteration in the name. Yeah, like Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. Exactly. So step two is you put them in space. Space adventures are so epic. This is very true. Yeah, I know, right? So, and then step three, you got to make it a talking animal. Who doesn't love animals? Everybody loves animals. So that's why I'm going to pitch to Marvel my new character, Booster Bobcat. Sounds like a winner. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Rocket Raccoon. Another alliteration animal. Freaking Rocket Raccoon. That freaking <laughs> raccoon. Only I didn't mean to say freaking. Yeah, this is a really fun character. This is a super fun character. And I learned a lot of researching this character has some crazy beginnings and which we'll get to. And I think a lot of people love this character, but I guarantee you probably don't know about this character's origin. So stick around because it's, it's going to get weird. (laughs) Yeah. This character has gone on quite the evolutionary journey uh, to be what it's, what we know as today in the MCU. Talk about making a comeback. Seriously. The, The fact that this character was so not prevalent in Marvel comics for so long and how important and crucial he is and how loved he is now is unbelievable. So we got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah. Rocket is a genetically altered four foot tall raccoon appearing in Marvel comics created by writer Bill Mantlo and artist Keith Giffen. And then Keith Giffen has also done writing as well. But at this point in time, he was the artist. He's a skilled pilot, weapons and tactical expert, and a strategic planner. Rocket is often underestimated and quick to point a makeshift weapon at anyone who questions his size. Despite his brash nature, he's amazingly loyal and will lay his life on the line for his allies. He's the best trash panda this side of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, and we love Rocket. Um, Rocket is definitely... You know, it's he's somebody that I had a vague knowledge of before the movie. I was just like, well, this character exists because I had seen some of the promotional stuff for Marvel now. And but I did not read Guardians. I did not. I, I had not gotten into it. So when they said they were making a Guardians movie, I was just like, OK, you know, kind of like everybody else. Same. Um, yeah. But so so it's, it's really interesting to see kind of like uh, him and the other characters from that where they came from and and rocket you know we we know that the third movie is going to focus a lot on rocket so that's why we decided to 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 feature him um in our in our episode this week so the publication history for rocket raccoon he actually debuted and i was really surprised by this in 1976 in a issue called marvel preview number seven which was a black and white comic in a mini story in the back called Sword in the Star, then referred to at the time 
as Rocky Raccoon. Now, this is really interesting because for a long time, the next issue that we're about to talk about, so the one that dropped in 1982, so The Incredible Mm -hmm. Hulk 271, this issue for the longest time was always promoted in comic shops as being the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon. And until I researched this episode, thought that was the first appearance of Rocket. Yeah, and it, that that's kind of interesting, which means that that means that the creator uh, and artist would have been uh, somebody completely different than uh, Keith Giffen and Bill Mantlo. Well, it still it still was Bill Mantlo, still Bill Mantlo, but not Keith Giffen, right? The artist, yeah. But uh, like you said, Incredible Hulk 271, where Hulk lands on the planet Halfworld in the Keystone Quadrant, protected by the Glacian Wall. Everybody got that? Uh, and it's a kind of a <laughs> weird Hulk story. Um, and again, you know, that was just like a quick little cameo and Hulk is helping him out. And there's some mentions of stuff on this weird planet. But that's that that that's just sort of happens. And, and it was like one or two issues. And then we don't see Rocket again until 1985 when he has a four issue limited series rocket appeared in some various other comics over the years but overall he only appeared in 10 comic book single issues in his first 30 years of existence that's unbelievable i i did blew my mind i was just like what <laughs> like how how does how did that happen so then in 2007 star lord the character of star lord in a mini series called the Annihilation Conquest, gets tasked by the Kree to put together a strike force to go take care of the problems of Ultron and the Phalanx. That's where Rocket is drafted into this sort of suicide squad <laughs> of <laughs> inter- intergalactic kind of uh, ragtag criminal kind of people. They're, they're very, very much expendable. And uh, but they turn out to be great. And what eventually becomes the, the origins of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So then comes the Guardians of the Galaxy in 2013, written by Brian Michael Bendis. This ends up becoming the sort of big source material for uh, the main storyline for the movie and like the main team that we would see with Gamora, Drax, Star-Lord, Rocket and Groot. In 2014, we have a series called Rocket Raccoon, which was done by Scotty Young. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. In 2016, we have a series called Rocket and Groot, which is a mini series. And then we had a another mini series in 2016 called Rocket Raccoon Grounded, which I believe I'm not 100 percent sure, but kind of focused on Rocket getting stuck on Earth. And he has a lot of interactions with Earth heroes. Um, and then in 2017, we have another miniseries just called Rocket. We're on a first name basis this time. <laughs> We're getting real personal now. Yeah, he puts together his own little team and like side quests and stuff. And then there's sort of a reboot of the Guardians of the Galaxy title in 2019. Um, I think they've even recently just announced that the Guardians is restarting again. Yeah, um, they're doing a new series this year. Yeah, so so he'll be back then. So that's the that's the kind of rough publication history. Of course, he's in lots of crossovers and big, big events and stuff like that. But that's kind of the main through line that if you want to find stuff um, that you can follow his progression. Now we're going to talk about the origin. So this is a weird journey of an origin. So bear with us. I will try to 
Speak slowly. Let me know if you have any questions. Okay, here we go. Rocket's origins start with some highly advanced humanoid psychiatrists that come to a planet in the Keystone Quadrant. They came to a planet to set up an asylum to study the mentally ill and criminally insane, known as, unfortunately, the loonies. There's no way that is Th- what that it's would called not yeah. today. No way. Yeah, that would that would not fly. <laughs> Sorry, the 80s. Wanting their society to be as friendly as possible, they brought various creatures to comfort their patients, which I thought was kind of sweet, and robots to care for them. Okay, sure, that never goes bad. Uh, Generations went by, and eventually the robots gained sentience, Skynet, anyone, (laughs) and took over half of the planet. But it sounds like they took over half the planet in kind of a good way, like, we just want to be robots. You know, they're not like killer robots, they're just... They just want to be independent. So, you know, that's fine. So the animals were genetically enhanced to become the caretakers on the other half. Thus, the planet was called Half World. Somewhere in this process, Rocket was created. The genetically enhanced animals, now with advanced intellect, created their own society separate from the loonies. Rocket was chosen to spend time as a sheriff in charge of a squad of loonies known as the Keystone Cops. I'm not making any of this up, by the way. This is all... (laughs) The 80s were a wild time. Yes. (laughs) Rocket was called, at that time, Ranger Rocket, and was mostly entrusted to keep the peace in a trade war between two rival toy companies, the leaders of which were a sinister mole named Judson Jakes, who used killer clowns and robot killers and killer rabbit assassins, and a lizard named Lord Divine. Rocket found a way to cure the loonies and helped put an end to the toy war. He left Halfworld, searching for his own destiny. This unfortunately led to a few imprisonments along the way and uh, across the quadrants, including with the Kree Empire. Finally, something that we kind of know and understand from Marvel. He was imprisoned with the Kree When their homeworld was threatened by Ultron and the Phalanx, the Kree got Star-Lord to put together a ragtag team of prisoners on a suicide mission. This was the first iteration that was almost called the ass-kickers of the Fantastic, but would eventually be known as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, the second name, much better. Yeah. Very advertisable. Yeah, and that, uh, that... origin is one of the most wacky and weird that I've ever researched. I didn't know where to start. I look I looked at the the wiki and I was like, "Huh? Like what? <laughs> this is this is weirder than uh Kang. Like I don't know what to make of this." Like, it seems to be so many made up words included yeah. <laughs> in Rocket's origin. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. Let's learn a little bit more about Rocket as a character. So names and aliases are Rocket, Rocky Raccoon, Ranger Rocket, as well as Rabbit, who is referred to him as by Thor Rabbit. in the MCU, as well as Subject 89-P13. I also want to point out the fact that Rocket literally starts off as a like cop slash ranger protector of these people, and his character has changed dramatically since then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable 
Powers and ability include superior raccoon physiology, granting superhuman strength, speed, agility, durability, reflexes, and senses. He's a skilled marksman and hand-to-hand combatant, master tactician and field commander, accomplished starship aviator, and genius-level intellect. And his wit. Very, very, very witty. (laughs) And very witty, which can probably talk out of some situations. Affiliations include, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Tactically, he's moonlighted as uh, an Avenger here and there, um, the Nova Corps, and some other little team-ups here and there. Supporting characters include Groot, Star-Lord, Mantis, Gamora, Drax, Blackjack O'Hare, which is one of the anthropomorphic rabbits, Lila, an anthropomorphic otter and sometimes love interest, Walrus, who is, I'm going to let you figure out what that is, uh, the Star Jammers, and a slight rivalry with Cosmo the Cosmonaut Dog, who was also with the Guardians. Now, I want to just mention really briefly, and we'll talk about this maybe next week, but Lila and Walrus, uh, and I think Blackjack O'Hare, but he goes by a different name, are all going to make some sort of an appearance in Guardians 3. I know they're going to have Lila because they've shown a little clip of Rocket in a backstory, you know, talking to an otter and and there's a walrus and there's also a rabbit. Um, so I think but I think the walrus and the rabbit have different names because why would you call a walrus walrus? But hey, you know, whatever. Uh, but Lila the otter is in the movie. And um, I, I think that's going to be really interesting that that she made it in. Antagonists include Thanos, Ultron, the Phalanx, the Exterminators, Craven the Hunter, the Badoon, which are zombie robot troops, and occasionally when he's trying to turn him into a hat, Deadpool. How could you have zombie robots? Uh, oh, invincible, like the like the zombies. Okay, so like semi-android cyborg yeah. zombies. Okay, cyborg gotcha. Cyborg Re- reanimated, reanimated, reanimated uh, yeah. human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reanimated. There you go. Well, now that we know a little bit about the character, let's go into the archives. Keith Ian Giffen's first published work was a black and white story called The Sword and the Star in Marvel Preview number four, which published in January of 1976 alongside writer Bill Mantlo. Giffen and Mantlo would co-create Rocket Raccoon in issue seven of Marvel Preview, which released in the summer of 1976. So pretty much right off the bat, of Giffen's career. He created Rocket with Mantlo. Pretty quick to create an iconic character. Giffen went on to illustrate and later write a significant run on the Legion of Superheroes in the 1980s. In December of 1982, Giffen created the wannabe hero Ambush Bug and more notably Lobo alongside Ooh. Roger Slifer in June of 1983. And I am dying to do a Lobo episode because the character <laughs> seems so interesting and I have read nearly nothing about him. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll don't die, but uh, we'll do a Lobo episode. Giffen co-created the Justice League International series in 1987 with J.M. DeMatisse and Kevin McGuire. The success of that humorous title led to the spinoff Justice League Europe. And it's funny because we actually talked about a few of those spinoffs in our booster gold episode that we did recently with Zach from comics that we love. Oh yeah. Giffen and Damatis worked together on justice league for five years and would end their run in 1992. 
The duo reunited in 2003 for the formerly known as the Justice League miniseries, and again in 2005 for I Can't Believe It's Not the Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) I love this, my favorite title. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. While Giffen has brought some iconic characters to life, there was some controversy in the 1980s surrounding Giffen's alleged swiping of other artists' work, including Argentinian cartoonist Jose Antonio Munoz. In 2000, Giffen would acknowledge this controversy by explaining how when he studies other artists, he will, quote, start turning into a Xerox machine and it's not good. Not the greatest things going on there. And his his artistic style was heavily influenced by a by numerous artists in those time periods. But this was one of those times where it looked like eerily similar and he was called out for it. There was I think there was even. I don't know if it was an article or a book that was written specifically about this incident, but he he's acknowledged it and moved on and he changed his style after that too. But right. not not the greatest moment in in someone's career. I mean, I think in the in, not to go off on a tangent, but we could do a whole issue on artists that draw like other artists and how yeah. that was a big thing in the nineties, like when image happened and then all the image guys hired people that kind of drew like them and trained them and everything. Cause, and it's funny cause a lot of those, those young people that were like drawing, like, you know, McFarlane and Jim Lee and Protasio and everything like they're the ones that are doing these like headlining uh, books now, or a lot of them, you know, it's, 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 it's really interesting. Just, I, I was like, Oh, I don't like these guys. They like, give them their own title and everything. But but now they're they kind of found their way to be uh, unique. But that's a whole other controversial topic. Yeah, there there's a whole bunch of time periods where like Marvel wanted like a uniform vision of art, and so people would study Kirby and and just try and yeah. mimic because they want to draw the Marvel below. way. Exactly how to draw the Marvel way. But yeah, it, an interesting time period in art. I'm glad we get a lot more individualistic styles because it creates so much more interest in the medium. I, I don't want to see the same thing in every book. I want to get yeah. this unique, interesting art that makes me excited about jumping on a new series and seeing things I haven't seen before and people being uh, interesting with the angle use, the paneling. Like there's there's so much you can do within this medium and to, to limit it to a few singular views and and artistic interpretations is limiting and not rewarding Mm -hmm. whatsoever. So come on, new artists pop up in there, show off your new stuff. We want to see (laughs) you. Now going back to the other co-creator of Rocky Raccoon, Bill Mantlo, you may remember by listening to our previous episode about swarm that we discussed the beginning of Bill Mantlo's career, so I strongly suggest going and listening to that. But we're going to finish his archive story and and history within the comic book industry in this episode because the ending strongly correlates to Rocket Raccoon. Mantlo began writing The Spectacular Spider-Man, incorporating frequent appearances of his co-creation, White Tiger, which we discussed in depth again in the Swarm issue. He would also use this series to conclude unresolved story elements from the Champion series. In 1978 to 1979, Mantlo wrote a multiple-issue storyline in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, which features Frank Miller's first work illustrating Daredevil in issue 27, which I thought was super cool. That's cool. 
Matt Lowe, Mark Grunewald, and Stephen Grant co-wrote Marvel Treasury Edition 25 in 1980, a Spider-Man versus Hulk set during the 1980 Winter Olympics. So they basically <laughs> were just, Winter Olympics were going on, they're like, we need a book for this. What's popular? Let's have Spider-Man <laughs> fight the Hulk. <laughs> Hulk no like figure skating. <laughs> <laughs> The Incredible Hulk issue 245 began a five-year-long run for Matt Lowe on the series in which the character was portrayed as humanized and emotional rather than savage. It was during this time that Matt Lowe co-created the UFOs and the Soviet Super Soldiers. In 1982, Matt Lowe and Ed Hannigan co-created Cloak and Dagger, which have recently been prominently featured in the Savage Avengers series, which is a fantastic read. Uh, David Popoz is crushed it on that series. It just wrapped up with issue 10, I believe, was the last one they did. It was either 10 issues or 12 issues. I think it was 10. I still need to finish it, but the the first arc was fantastic. Nice. Matlow was busy in 1982 because he also co-wrote Marvel Comics' first limited series, Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions. Matt Lowe took an interesting career path in the mid-1980s as he enrolled in law school. After passing the bar exam, he began working as a public defender in the Legal Aid Society in the Bronx. So can you imagine being like, you're a comic book creator, and then Mm -hmm. you go into law. Yeah, I'm wondering what the backstory is with that. Like, it's either his parents were still around or his wife was just like, you're not going to make anything of yourself. Why don't you become a lawyer? (laughs) Well, I think he had some civil service uh, jobs prior to, I think, breaking into the comic book industry, but not to the point of actually being a lawyer. Hey, maybe Daredevil really inspired him. And he's like, you know what? I want to be like Matt Murdock. Yeah. He continued working in comics, but to a smaller capacity. His work at Marvel declined related to disputes with management. He briefly wrote for DC in 1988, scripting the miniseries Invasion. No, it's it's invasion. <laughs> it's with, with an exclamation point. With the exclamation point. Thank you for the correction. Sadly, on July 17th, 1992, Mantlo was hit by a car while rollerblading. The driver fled the scene and was never found. And due to the severe head trauma that occurred and irreparable brain damage, Mantlo now requires full-time care. Mm. He now resides in a healthcare facility and is receiving the, the necessary care that he needs. As a result of Marvel Studios' production of Guardians of the Galaxy, which featured Matlow's co-creation of Rocket Raccoon, Marvel negotiated a compensation package for the rights to the character of Rocket. Since that moment, Matlow's brother actually came out and said that because of this deal, it ensures that Matlow will have the required level of care that he needs the remainder of his life. So it's nice to hear that Marvel not only acknowledges the importance of Mantlo and the creation of this character, but is also making sure that he is taken care of to like the proper capacity that he should be. Yeah. And now another cool thing that Marvel did was they made sure to arrange private screenings of guardians of the galaxy one and two. So Mantlo could see his creation brought to life in spectacular fashion. That's nice. Now here's hoping that they do the same exact thing for this upcoming film with guardians three as well, just as like an added emphasis on how important Mantlo is within the comic book industry. He has numerous creations and co-creations that also include captain universe, carry on dread Knight, firebird, the micronauts, pestilence, legion, Rom space Knight, 
Ursa Major, and Wraith. Like, and that's not even including obviously Rocket Raccoon and White Tiger. Like, he has so many creations, yeah. and uh, it's it's truly unfortunate that that happened to him and now requires that level of care. But I hope he knows how beloved Rocket has become. And how for so many people, they're his favorite guardian of the galaxy. There's some people that Rocket is, is their favorite combo character, period. Yeah. And it's it's nice to hear that, you know, with, when creators get older and as as a, you know, artist and creator myself, I'm just like, oh, I, I, you know, I hope in my later years people remember and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a, it's and and sometimes comic book creators don't get the recognition they deserve and later years and so it's it's always nice to have some kind of a silver lining even though his story is pretty tragic and yeah i mean i I hope he's you know at least got some sort of um enjoyment from from seeing all the positive uh recognition that rocket's gotten and and uh, some of his other characters too absolutely that was a good summary uh let's move on to the pull list so uh we both have I think some little mini series that we're going to recommend. Uh, why don't you start? Because yours is the, <laughs> the sort of first one that's um, arguably uh, the weirdest thing that we've ever read. <laughs> yeah. So Rocket Raccoon had a four issue limited series, which was written by Bill Mantlo. Artist was Mike, Mike Mignola, who everyone probably knows from Hellboy. Inker is Al Gordon. Colorist is Christy Scheel. Okay, can I say something real quick? Sure. Just just about Mike Mignola because I love Hellboy. We've we done a Hellboy episode. Uh, this is unrecognizable early Mike Mignola. Like this is like early. Hey, you're you're a new artist. Let's give you a D list character and we're gonna do a miniseries and maybe it'll take off. It's exciting. I didn't even recognize like this is not the Mike Mignola Hellboy style. This is like yeah, not at all. I'm trying to figure things out kind of a style and it's rough. It is rough <laughs> and, and it's all over the place, um, even for like 80s Marvel. But but it's interesting. It's really interesting. In this story, Rocket, Lila and Walrus are on Halfworld and they hear about a toy war brewing between manufacturers who provide toys to the inmates or the quote unquote the loonies on Halfworld, who Rocket is the guardian for. This story involves warring toy manufacturers who are obsessed with Lila. One of them wants to marry Lila. One of them wants to kill Lila to inherit all of her wealth so that they can each become like the dominating rulers of half world. And there are killer clowns. There are giant bat monsters and, they're all going after Rocket, and then Rocket is trying to save Lila, and it is it is bonkers. It's, there's an evil mole. <laughs> yeah. The clowns in this also look 100% like Pennywise. Yeah, I can see that. But I'll, I'll let everyone else, you can read this story. Uh, I don't need to say anything else. Toy War, mis- there's like a mystical book that has information in it about stuff. Like, it is weird. <laughs> it is such a strange story, but it is an absolute... Like it is a bonkers read that I had fun reading, but wow, is it weird? It just made me respect Mantlo as a writer. Just like what, what, what uh, mushroom did he eat to get on this? Like it is so disjointed and out there. <laughs> I'm just like, 
wow, there is nothing you can like. It's not like, wow, this is a great allegory for, you know, um, (laughs) war and peace or it's 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 just it's so bizarre. And um, I, I, I won't say it's good. But it's definitely interesting. It's definitely unique. And it's not like anything I ever read before. Um, But, you know, with all interesting origins uh, leads to other interpretations. And thank goodness, because later on, you know, we talked about some of those other things. The the miniseries or ultimately series, even though it was very short lived, that I'm going to recommend is, I think, closer to what people kind of know rocket raccoon four in the style and i love this artist uh scotty young so scotty young is a uh, he's done a lot of stuff he did he's done a suffer image and and some of his own work uh i hate, hate fairyland and um but he did a 11 issue run on rocket raccoon solo title and uh the art and he wrote it um was done by scotty young uh and then color by jean-francois but Beaulieu, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, the first four issues is a story called A Chasing Tale. <laughs> and Rocket is framed for multiple murders and is also hunted by several ex-lovers called the Exterminators through the galaxy. And we find out in like the second or third issue that it looks like Rocket was framed by someone dressed like Rocket and then a little bit of a spoiler, but it turns out and, and credit to Scotty Young. It ends up being Blackjack O'Hare in a in a rocket costume. <laughs> and he like unzips. It does that one of those things where he like unzips the costume like right down the middle and it opens up and he's like Blackjack O'Hare. And he's like, ha ha ha. And then uh, that's when all the X's show up and it's it's glorious and funny. It is Scooby Doo moment. It's very Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And the art is so fun and dumb and and just like goofy and over the top and really exaggerated and animated like Scotty Young's art is very uh, crazy um, and very sketchy and like you know, it's like thin little stick legs and like big mouths and everything. So it's it's really, really fun in the second storyline and my, probably my favorite issue that I've read with Rocket in this whole uh, in this whole research was issue number five, which is called story Taylor. It features a 23 page story where Groot they're telling stories to like a little like camp group, like of aliens and rocket finishes telling a story. And then, and then Groot's like, I am Groot. And then rocket's like, I don't want to tell that one. I don't like how it ends. He's like, I am Groot. <laughs> He's like, all right, well you tell it. And then for 17 pages, Groot tells the story, but the only dialogue is I am Groot. And it's all the characters saying I am Groot. Everything that's text, like titles and sign shops and things like that. It all says I am Groot. That's brilliant. It's amazing. It is it is a masterclass in sequential art of how you can tell a story with just like the art and the emotions and everything. It's so funny and really good. Uh, issue number five of Rocket Raccoon. I love it. And uh, I just ordered that entire run off of eBay. I was like, uh, just so super impressed with it. So definitely recommend that. And it's it's very like written in the style that kind of is the character from the movies. And I I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Very nice. Well, that kind of just leads straight into our grail find. So, Chris, do you have a grail for Rocket Raccoon? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like I said, I just ordered that, but, but the grail find the other thing I ordered, cause I was kind of curious about as I looked up that first issue of the 1985 series, the Mike Mignola. Cause I was like, Oh, that, that'd be cool to have a Mike Mignola really early Mike Mignola, like artwork. Cause I'm fascinated by the, like, Hey, this artist is amazing, but his early work is Eh, kind of, you know, it's like got to start somewhere and it's kind of inspiring for a, an artist, too. So I was like, I'm going to find this. And I found one for like 25 bucks uh, online. And and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to order that. So, you know, it, it's not graded, but it's just like I wanted to have a copy of it. So um, so I got it a couple days ago and it's uh, it's it's glorious. I didn't look through it because I read it online, but I'm just going to keep that. Maybe have it graded later and and just say, hey, this is a, a fun you know, a fun gem in the archive and in, in my collection. Very cool. I have a, a great, like I, I actually had two copies of that book before when Jeremy and I were buying and selling collections mm-hmm. during the beginning of the pandemic. Cause we had nothing else to do because <laughs> neither of us were working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And neither of us knew that it was Mignola's art before we sold them off. And then I wanted one back. So maybe I'll come across one again soon. But uh, my grail issue that I have for Rocket is actually part of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 run. And during this arc of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 issues 21 through 23, in one of these issues, I think it's it's either issue 21 or 22, uh, where this is after the fact that Flash Thompson has joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, so the Venom oh, symbiote yeah. is a part of the, the group. And this is a story arc where you learn a little bit more about the origin of the Clintar, so the symbiote alien race, and you get to learn about why the Venom symbiote was acting the way it was and, and all this interesting stuff. But in the process of these issues, the symbiote is jumping from member to member of the Guardians, to try and mm-hmm. get to the Clintar planet and it jumps on rocket. So this is the first time rocket has bonded to a symbiote and it looks phenomenal. Rocket is meant to have a symbiote because his arms just straight up become his gigantic guns with a billion different barrels. And it is beautiful. <laughs> he is the perfect character to have a symbiote attached to. And I want more story of a symbiote, uh, like a, a symbiote version or a venomized version of Rocket, but we're not going to get that. But I want more. It's one of those things, like uh, any character that becomes venomized at some point. At this at this point in in our culture of of Marvel and Venom and everything like that, it's just one of those like, well, which which it's not whether they are cool, it's which one is cooler. And yeah. I agree, like it's it's fun to see like a character like Rocket like totally embrace the. <laughs> the venom uh lifestyle um so yeah those those are some great great finds um i still want to find the shadow cat like when we did a shadow cat discussion when she became a guardian um or star lord yeah. and yeah. i want to find that that run with with rocket and uh and, and her and everything like that that's that's gonna be fun so i do have some random facts you want to hear them Ooh, i love random facts Okay, so Rocky Raccoon, Rocky Raccoon was inspired by a 1968 Beatles song called Rocky Raccoon. Um, And that because he was originally in that first little mini story was referred to as Rocky Raccoon. Uh, The starship rocket 
captained in Hulk 271 was called the Rack and Ruin. Rocket is one of the few characters that understands what Groot actually says and can speak Groot. In early versions of the character, he actually wore rocket skates. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. But now he just has a jetpack. Yeah. The next one is kind of about the movie, um, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, the line in the movie, well, now I'm standing happy. We're all standing now like a bunch of jackasses <laughs> standing in a circle was actually improvised by Sean Gunn, the brother of James Gunn, the director. And it had everyone laughing so much on set that he made sure to keep it in when Bradley Cooper did the voiceover um, later on. So I thought that was that was that's awesome that uh, it wasn't just Bradley Cooper, but it was, you know, that uh, Sean Gunn did a lot of the uh, inspiration for that. Yeah, because he's on set in a green screen yeah. little suit <laughs> pretending to be Rocket on set. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He, he he gives the, the body movement and everything like that. That was that was Sean Gunn, which is awesome. Uh, the movie version of Rocket was actually based on a real raccoon named Oreo. Amazing. So cute. <laughs> Spoilers for Secret Wars. When the 616 Marvel Universe combined with the Ultimate Universe during the creation of Battleworld, the Children of Tomorrow blow up Stark Tower, killing Black Bolt, Black Widow, Spider-Woman, Beast, Groot and Rocket. So he has died. Uh, but, you know, of course, Secret Wars got all weird and people left, but then people came back and he, of course he came back. But because um, Marvel, <laughs> we bring our dead back to life. Yeah. If you're at Marvel, you will come back unless your name is Uncle Ben. Yeah. Now, adaptations. So let's just start off with kind of the big ones. The one that put rocket raccoon into prominence and that's going to be guardians of the galaxy volume one or just at that point it was just guardians of the galaxy and of course we have uh, rocket being voiced by bradley cooper with the motion capture with by sean gunn again james gunn's brother this is going to be occurring like they do the voice acting and the motion capture for all volumes one through three guardians of the galaxy was that movie like we mentioned earlier it got announced and everyone was like why why is this a thing with all these other marvel characters <laughs> this is they gonna have fail. a disposal <laughs> it's gonna be horrible and yeah. it end. It, it ended up being one of the greatest marvel movies we've ever had volume one is in is very high in my ranking of the mcu and it's oh, yeah. because Top it has five for sure yeah it has heart it's visually stunning it brought a whole new, like, refreshing breath of fresh air to the MCU. Got a good soundtrack. <laughs> Great soundtrack. Huge ensemble cast where everyone worked together. We got Dave Bautista coming out of nowhere being a good actor in a movie. Like, mm -hmm. and he's just gotten better since then. He's a very good actor now. John C. Riley was in this movie. I mean, like, how could it right. not do well? <laughs> yeah. As, as, a, as a minor player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, Glenn Close was in it, too. Yeah, Glenn Close was was Nova Prime. <laughs> like, it had some really caliber names. <laughs> Where's Nova? We had yeah, we uh, the Nova. Nova Corps in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. We didn't we still don't have Nova. I need Nova. It was definitely hinted at. And I was like, what became of that? But yeah, anyway, it didn't work out. Uh, and then, of course, we also had uh, Rocket showing up in Infinity War and Endgame, the beginning of Thor Love and Thunder as well as the Guardians Christmas special, was, which was just an absolute delight. I loved the Christmas special. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. 
Um, in an interview with BBC Radio, Cooper said that the voice was influenced by Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood and mixed with Gilbert Gottfried. So if you kind of think about those hilarious. two voices, <laughs> that's the voice of Rocket, um, which I love. Bradley Cooper also did his voiceover after they shot the whole movies, um, the whole movie, but before they animated his character. So he got to improvise moments based on other actors, like when he... Uh, made fun of Benicio del Toro's character doing that kind of like, <gasps> you know, like okay, ah, when he's doing this, <laughs> you know, he's like raising his <laughs> arms up and he, he gets to see the performances and kind of base some of his stuff off of that, which I thought was really fun. Uh, Rocket and Groot was also a one season cartoon on Disney Plus that was or actually it was before Disney Plus. I think it was just on Disney XD at the time, but now it's on Disney Plus. That was a prequel about the unlikely duo of bounty hunters trying to find a ship. He's voiced by Trevor Duvall. The design of the characters was highly influenced by the Scotty Young run of Rocket Raccoon, which we talked about earlier. In Avengers Assemble, the cartoon, he was voiced by Seth Green. <laughs> now, he wasn't in every episode, but obviously, but there was like they did do Guardian's appearance. Um, and I thought that was kind of fun. That is interesting because Seth Green voices Howard the Duck, Howard the Duck. in yeah. the MCU. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of similar, but eh, it's a little different. Uh, and of course, Rocket is a part of the ever present Lego Marvel. We bow down to the Le- Lego <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> the Lego overlords. We heard the fun facts. We heard about the creators. So let's go to our weirdest segment. What, what? what? is each issue we do at Nerds Do Best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this time, we decided to ask, what if Rocket didn't join the Guardians of the Galaxy? So, where would Rocket end up? What would he be doing? Chris, what do you envision mm-hmm. Rocket would do if he did not join the Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, yeah, so I'll go first. Um, in my version, Rocket goes bad. He He breaks bad. And... With a genius level intellect and enough past trauma, it's only a matter of time that Rocket just goes the way of the dark side. He becomes a uh, evil kind of bounty hunter. He'd lead a revolt against his genetic experimenters, starting a revolution where all the animals kind of rise up, inspired by the robots that rose up and gained their freedom. So with his fellow mutates, he'd start a black ops squad called, uh, you know, the mutates or something like that. He would hunt down and eliminate any scientist that did any kind of genetic experimentation, which would eventually lead him to Earth and in an all out war with like uh, Mr. Sinister and and all of the like scientists that do experimentations. And and of course, heroes would be like, what are all these crazy talking animals? And it would just be called like the mutate war or something like that. So, um, yeah, I just kind of saw him as like, that'd be a really interesting. It'd be hard to make him a credible threat. But I think if you showed this evil talking genetically enhanced raccoon and it was done with the right writer we know that rocket can pull off sad and uh, and funny and and different emotions so i I don't think it's that much of a stretch that he could pull off like menacing and evil um just with the right writer and and the right backstory like uh, that that's the story i think would be really interesting and you know i mean there's been a lot of great storylines where there's an evil version of, of a character or something like that, or maybe a alternate universe version. So who knows? Maybe there will be an evil rocket at some point. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. 
Mine kind of starts out similar, wanting to get revenge on the people that tortured him and experimented on him and kind of going throughout the galaxy and uh, going on various trips and trying to find uh, injustices and trying to correct that just, but be more of like a vigilante side of things. But at one point I would like one of these scenarios to go very, very wrong. And he's essentially left stranded floating in space with nowhere Mm -hmm. to go. And he comes across uh, the eater of worlds and uh, Galactus just happens to be looking for a new Herald and can sense (laughs) a lot of uh, unbridled rage and power within rocket potential (laughs) and uh, rocket becomes a Herald of Galactus. Nice. Uh, I would love to see rocket with cosmic powers. The silver rocket. Yep. There we go. Nice. And he he but he gets his rocket boots back. Yeah. <laughs> there we That's go. Awesome. He just yeah. rides a giant gun. <laughs> just <laughs> yes. <laughs> giant a giant a huge huge silver gun and he's just like all hail make way for, for Galactus the eater of worlds. Get the frick out of here. This guy's huge. You don't even know how big this guy is. He's he's huge. He's going to mess you up. A fitting story for Rocket. The the Herald of Galactus. I think that would be amazing. Make it happen, would... Marvel. Let's do this. Hey, join us uh, next time on our next issue. We're going to actually gonna do a review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Lance and I are going to see it together this week uh, on opening night. And we will have a review for you. So... Of course, you should go see it opening weekend. But if you want to hear what we think of it, and we hope that you do, uh, tune into our next issue because we're going to be breaking it down, spoiler filled, and probably tears shed. So, oh, there's <laughs> going to be lots and lots of tears. This movie's going to break <laughs> us. I've I've heard yeah. uh, no spoilers. I haven't heard any spoilers, but I know it's going to be brutal, and yeah. I'm ready for it. And I, I'm so excited to have emotions about a Marvel movie again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to the high evolutionary, too. I think that's oh, and, and they haven't really shown anything. They haven't shown really anything of our villain in this. So I'm very excited. I've I've been avoiding all the other teasers and things just because I want to experience the movie. But mm-hmm. if our listeners here have enjoyed this episode, why don't you jump over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash comic book keepers. We would greatly appreciate any support. We offer a whole bunch of goodies. You have access to our private Discord. You sometimes are going to get episodes early when we edit them (laughs) appropriately on time. You can also get a free sticker with our logo on it. And uh, just uh, a lot of fun other stuff. A lot of interesting things coming down the line that we're excited to announce later. But lots of benefits. So patreon.com slash keepers. All right. Well... It's time to close the book on Rocket Raccoon. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your frickin' friends close. But your comic books closer. (laughs) 